Uh, good morning and welcome to Scarlet City. I want to invite everyone to open your Bibles to Psalm, the book of Psalms, chapter 42. Uh, Psalms chapter 42. If you're uh, trying to find Psalms in your Bible, just go to right to the middle and open it up and we'll be in Psalm 42. And uh, one reminder, Jenny mentioned it already, but next Sunday, right after the worship gathering, we're having Explore. This is a good opportunity to learn more about the vision of Scarlet City Church and how you can get connected here. And uh, lunch will be provided. I think Jacob mentioned a few weeks ago, it'll either be steak or pizza. So one of those, one of those options will happen. You'll have to come and find out which. So I'd love for you to join us for that. You can sign up at the connection table. Um, well, we're continuing in our series uh, every day, faith, what does it look like to walk with God in the ordinary, everyday moments of life? Uh, last week, we talked about everyday justice, and this morning, we're going to talk about prayer. What does it look like to walk with God in prayer every day? And, and our passage for that is going to be a prayer uh, from the book of prayer, Psalms, and, uh, and I'm going to read our passage. You know, here's what I'm at, I want you to do. I want you to hear it. I want you to listen. Listen to this prayer. Maybe even uh, put your Bible down, close your eyes. I want you to hear the words from this poet as he's talking with God. Beginning verse one, I'm gonna read the whole psalm, Psalm 42. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgot, forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Now here we, we find a prayer. And when you think of prayer, what comes to mind? Think of having a conversation this morning about prayer. What do you think of walking with God in prayer? What comes to mind? Uh, maybe when you think of prayer, you might uh, think of a prayer warrior, uh, growing up in a Christian home, my mom spoke a lot of prayer warriors, and so it felt very intimidating, this warrior. 
who prayed. Uh, maybe for you, when you think of prayer, you think of the opposite of a warrior. You think of someone doing something of little significance, little power in prayer. So hearing a conversation about prayer makes you snicker a little bit because you wonder where this is going to go. And maybe when you think of prayer, you feel guilt or you feel confusion, wondering what is going to be taught so you can go and do this. Maybe you've thought of prayer in the past and you've struggled. Maybe you've even made a New Year's resolution and you already feel like you're failing at that. So maybe now, maybe now you can be pumped up to pray. This morning, we want to talk about what does it look like to walk with God in prayer? And here's what I want you to hear, that prayer isn't about a formula. And really, it's not some guilt-driven behavior. Prayer represents an opportunity, an opportunity to connect with God and with ourselves. And so allowing this psalm, this prayer, to be our guide, let's look at it. What does it look like to walk with God in prayer, to commune with him? How should we pray? First, we walk with God in prayer. We we're invited to pray our longings, pray your desires, pray your longings to God. One person put it so well. He said, prayer is a refusal to live as an outsider to God and your own soul. Prayer is a refusal, refusal to be an outsider with your God and to be an outsider with yourself. Our poet in the psalm has desires. Uh, First, we see it, he longs for God, a longing for God. He says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. He begins with the longing that every person has, every man, woman, and child. Longing for God. Longing for God in his presence. Do you long for God? Do you long for him? You know, when we think of longing for God, it's not diminished by times and generations. This is thousands of years ago that this poet is writing this, and you feel his hunger, his thirst. He says it, I thirst for God. Is the thirst for God any less today? It's just as strong as ever. Longing for God isn't diminished by cultures and times and generations. Longing for God is not diminished even if you're not a person of faith. People who long for God the most, I've found, are often atheists, wrestling with feeling his absence and wanting him to be there but not sure that he is. Longing for God is not diminished by whether or not you're a person of faith or not. Longing for God is not diminished with age. A lot of times we can look at a child in a childlike faith, but as we grow older, Questions may be different, but the longing is still the same. Longing for God. It is not diminished by culture, times, or faith, or age. We all long for God. What does that teach us? What do we learn about life in that longing that we all have? Maybe a reminder that we were designed to connect with our maker. There's a longing for God. Also, in the psalm, there's a longing for home. That when shall I come before God? And the idea here is going to the temple in Jerusalem. Commentators will note that there seems to be, the, the poet seems to be homesick. 
He's away from his home, away from his friends, away from his family, away from his God. Have you ever longed for home? Longed for family, longed for friends? Can you relate with that longing? Yet life seems to have you rootless, longing for home. There's also a longing for belonging. He mentions his adversaries. He says, my tears have been my food. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? And this is repeated. He's experiencing conflict. He wants support. He wants community. He wants to belong. He's an outsider. He desires connection. We see here also there's a longing for purpose. In verse 4, he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise and multitude, keeping festival. You see him here, he's daydreaming about leading God's people in worship. Longing to lead, this longing for significance and purpose. Can you relate to these longings? Longing for God, longing for home, longing for belonging, longing for purpose. Can you relate to these desires, these longings? And how are we tempted to respond to this poet? If you found yourself with him in a prayer gathering and he was to pray this prayer, what would maybe you be tempted to say? Would you be tempted to correct him, to correct the poet? Uh, He even puts it this way in verse 7. He says, deep calls to deep and the roar of your waterfalls. This, This idea here he probably is hearing. A waterfall, the, the, the noise at the top and the bottom and feeling overwhelmed by the waves. And look at he puts, who he puts the blame on. He puts it on God. He says, you're breakers and waves, God. He's feeling crushed by God. What do you say to someone when they're praying that kind of prayer? Are you tempted to correct them? Pull them aside. Hey, whoa, 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 poet, sir. You know, that's the problem with these poets. They're a little emotional, you know. We need to bring some truth in here, Mr. Poet. You know, hey, um... You don't want to talk to God like that. Come on, before you talk to God, we need to be a little more diplomatic here. Okay, you're talking to God. I mean, this is God here. You can't just show up to God and say anything you want. Tempted to pull him aside. I remember in high school, I had a friend, Greg, and Greg was one of those guys who he just said whatever came to mind. He still does. I notice on his Facebook feed, he, he's hilarious. <laughs> And uh, we played football together. And I remember one time the coach did something and Greg, he was irate. And he went out of the locker room and he wanted to go. And it was obvious this isn't going to go well at all. I mean, he could be kicked off the team, one of our best players. And I just grabbed him. He's a big guy. So it's like, you know, he's pulling me along and, and grabbed him and finally convinced him to go outside. And it's like, Greg, calm down. You know, he's heated, pacing. Sometimes we feel like we need to Talk to someone who wants to relate to God like that. As if we can't really be honest with God. As if we can't really vent to God. As if we need to be diplomatic with them. And use the right formula. Say it in the right way. Use the right words. But we're reminded from this poet that we can just be straight up honest. If there's anyone that you could ever talk to and be truly yourself, it's God. I mean, after all, he's God. He knows. He knows where you are. He knows what's on your mind. He knows what has your heart. He's God. He's 
He's strong enough. He can take it. We're reminded here to pray our longings, to bring our true, authentic selves to God. Also, walking with God, we pray our longings, but we also pray our weaknesses. Pray your weakness. Three times he, he mentions his soul. He says, he's asking himself, why are you cast down, O oh my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? And then notice this fight for truth. Look at what he says, continuing in verse five. He says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. He sees low and then he hopes, but then he goes right back down again. He says, my soul is cast down within me. Struggle. And then in verse 11, he's, he's asking again, why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? He cast down my soul. What is he experiencing here? He's experiencing depression. He's experiencing incredible sadness, pain, fear. He feels powerless. You know that feeling, powerlessness? You know, a few weeks ago, uh, during one of the days where the temperature was just, I can't remember what it was, but it was bitter, cold, uh, Megan and I woke up in the middle of the night to the power going out. And uh, I woke up because she thought I had gotten up and turned off our fan. We, we have white noise. And so she's like, why did you turn off the fan? I'm like, I did? Did I turn off the fan? And then we realized the power had gone out. And immediately in waking up, thinking the power's out, you start to worry. It's cold outside. How are we going to stay warm? And for some reason, my mind just went to, it's just going to be dark. We're just going to be sitting in the dark all, all day. Now, if the power goes out, there's a lot you can't do. You can't potentially see. It's cold. Are you going to charge your phone? You know, I mean, there's a lot of problems when the power goes out. You know, a lot of us feel the power going out in our soul. Gone. Feel powerless. You know, at one, at one time, there was hope. At one time, we were real passionate about things. One time, God felt very present. At one time, we felt home. One time, we felt like we belonged. At one time, we had purpose, but powers left, and our soul cast down. God invites us to bring that to him, bring our weaknesses, to bring our inability our inability to find fulfillment in the longings that we have. And Jesus invites us too. It's interesting. Jesus, he prayed a lot. But you think about that. Jesus, God, very strong, and he prayed. Jesus prayed a lot. And he also taught about prayer. And one example, he gives a contrast between two types of prayers. In Luke 18. He says it this way. He says, two men went up to, into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And now his audience, upon hearing this, they immediately, in their culture, in their context, here's what they would think. Pharisee, good. <laughs> Pharisee, here, pastor. Here, person you trust. Tax collector, here, terrorist. Here, thief. Two people went up to pray. The Pharisee, the religious one, the good one, and the tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. 
I wonder if he said that out loud. I think that he probably did. This tax collector here, thank you, God, I'm not like them. I, here's why I'm not like them. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. You know what this Pharisee's doing? He's praying his strength. Comes to God with his strength. Thank you, God, that I'm not like these other people, and here's what I'm like, what I do. And then Jesus gives the story of the other man. He says, but, contrast, but the tax collector, standing far off, he couldn't struggle to get close. Standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Tax collector prays his weakness, feels his weakness, feels his temptation, his shortcoming, his inability. There's a contrast. And Jesus wraps it up by saying, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified, speaking of the tax collector, rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, while one who humbles himself will be exalted. We pray our weakness, we don't pray our strength. Where are you at this morning? You feel weak? Did God feel close before? Now he feels distant. Did you feel home before, but now life, you just feel like a nomad? You feel, did you feel like you belonged before, and now you feel isolated? Did you have purpose at one point, and now life is meaningless and aimless? We can bring that to God. We pray our weaknesses. We can bring our temptations. We can bring our fears. We can bring our doubts. We can bring our struggles to God. Pray our weaknesses. How to walk with God. You pray your longings. You pray your weaknesses. And lastly, we pray God's promises. Pray God's promises. The poet, he's fighting here. We've mentioned it, pointed at it already. Let's look again. He says, why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? He's talking to himself. I love it. Sometimes I think I'm crazy when I talk to myself, but he does it too. Why are you struggling? And, and then he says, hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. You see this wrestling match. He's wrestling here between hope and despair, between God's promises and pain. Now, I, I am a horrible wrestler, like physically. I, I've never wrestled. If you have any training in wrestling, you could be 100 pounds and you would pin me right away because I, I, can't, I can't do it. Uh, but in wrestling, supposedly, because I'm not an expert, in wrestling, it's a tension. It's a war to not be pinned. Not be pinned. And the poet is warring against the pain in his life that wants to pin him down. He doesn't want to be pinned. He's fighting to trust and rest in God's promises. And we see him express his pain in verse 3. He says, my tears have been my food day and night. You feel that. My tears, this pain. It's all I feel. Day and night. Every day, pain. His tears are shaping how he sees life. And sometimes that can happen. Our pain can pin us down and we can... And here's what we hear, the word that we hear when pain is pinning us down, when our tears are shaping the lens through which we view everything. These are the things we're tempted to believe. Here's what we believe often. No one is for me, I'm all alone. 
Nobody's fooled. God is not here. God doesn't care. I sin too much. God wouldn't love me. I'm not lovable. I'm unforgiven. There's no hope. There's no purpose. Life is just a cold and chaotic existence. There's no meaning. This is what happens when our tears and our pain is pinning us down and shaping our perspective of life. But like the poet, he wrestles. He says, hope, hope. He's talking to himself. You can feel it, hope. See, we have the opportunity to bring our honest pains to God and allow God to bring his love to us. We bring our words, our struggles, our longings, our weaknesses to God. Then we go to God with his promises. And we ask his promises to shape us. It's interesting because he said, my tears have been my food day and night. And then in verse 8, what he says about God. It says, by day, the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night, his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. God's love sung over this poet, day and night. You know, one of the tender moments of being a dad is when you're putting your kids to bed and uh, Megan and I, we, we used to sing. We've gotten away from it a little bit. This makes me want to do it again. But we used to sing to our kids every night and we'd put them to bed. And there was a hymn that was the one we sang to the most. It was, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And um, the lights would be out and be wanting to calm our kids' minds and hearts. And, and here's the hymn. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Uh, we wouldn't read the first stanza here, but it's applicable. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I love too that this hymn is called Heavenly Vision. What does it look like to see Jesus, to see his love, and allow his love and his song to be sung over you every day, every day. If tears and pain says a word to us that life is hopeless, there is no meaning, you are all alone, what does this song say? What does this song say? For some promises that it brings, here's just a few it's a song of purpose, a song of purpose. Now, Jesus says, go and make disciples. Go. It's a song of acceptance, reminded in John 1, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. What a promise. It's a song of a future home. Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven. And from it, we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The song of forgiveness, Romans 8. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. The song of secure love. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or Persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. 
In all things, we are more than conquerors. We come to God in our honest longings and weaknesses, and then we allow and we listen and we are shaped by the longings of our Savior. Don't miss an opportunity. Don't miss an opportunity to talk to that God. Today I want to invite you, take some time. It doesn't need to be long. And just be honest. Be honest with God. Share how you feel. He already knows. He's big enough. He's God. He can take it. Share how you feel. Bring your weaknesses to him. And then pray his promises. Wrestle with God. Do not allow pain to pin you down, but allow the song of a loving Savior to lift you up. Let's pray. God, you are a gift that you invite us to walk with you is one of the great privileges of life. Now, Lord, may we, in the walking, speak. Speech is a gift, and that we get to talk to you and you lift, listen is grace. Lord, I know we all have different reasons, different things we're going to. Some level maybe feel shame, some level feel unlovable. Lord, help us to bring all of that to you. Cynicism wants to show up and say it doesn't matter. Cynicism wants to shape our life and pin us down. But cynicism is no way to live. And to the cynic in each of us, we ask for power to say no. Lord, may your grace sustain us, and may it be the good news we need every day and every moment. In your son's name we pray.